imagine you're walking outside just before sunrise. The sky is a swirl of different colors. It's in that space just before the world wakes up. It looks like a painting. You can see the mist rising from the grass. Maybe there's a light chill in the air, or maybe it's already balmy out. It's the time of day that the town comes to life from its businesses and residential areas to the stables of one of its longtime treasures, the thoroughbreds. This is a town where horses are a way of life. Discover South Carolina presents The Palmetto Porch, a podcast featuring some of South Carolina's most charming towns and highlighting what makes them so special. I'm Devin Whitmire, All season long, I'll be traveling through the Palmetto State, interviewing locals who will share their own unique perspective on places to visit, foods to try, and insider travel tips. These towns may be small, but they are big on fun, food, and Southern hospitality. This episode, we're stopping by beautiful Aiken, a place you can't think about without thinking about thoroughbreds. Aiken is home to not only Thoroughbred Stables, but also the Thoroughbred Museum and Hall of Fame. I spoke with the museum's coordinator, Lisa Hall, about the rich history of equine racing, its connection to the city of Aiken, and what visitors to the museum can expect. Lisa has a wealth of knowledge about horses stemming from her time as a child. I've loved horses ever since I was a little girl. Didn't own any, but I had an aunt who had plenty of them, and we'd go visit her. I didn't have to take care of them, but when I was in high school, we used to skip school, my friends and I, and we'd go down to her place and ride horses, and she never ratted me out to my mom, so she was like my favorite aunt. Did that experience of skipping school and going to ride horses or just being around them, did it leave a mark on you in some way? Did you know even then that you wanted to care for horses and have horses be a part of your life? Yeah, I think I always did. I can remember as a little girl at Christmas time, my brother would usually go and buy a, a briar horse for me, which if you're going to buy model horses, that's like the name brand that you want to get. I can remember my sister-in-law buying me the Black Beauty books. So I know I was horse crazy, even when I was a little girl, and my aunt knew that too. So I think it's just kind of in my DNA, so to speak. Yeah. So you wrote a book about horses, specifically the champion horses that are in Aiken. What is it about Aiken that makes it so special for horses and horse racing? I think a lot of it, the climate is so good. You can train horses here year round if you want to, even in the summer, as long as you do it early in the morning. This area of South Carolina is very sandy and that kind of material is very soft on a horse's feet. It just makes it easier for them to train rather than training on a hard surface. That and just Aiken's whole atmosphere of being very low-key and laid back. You can bring a horse down here if they're injured or just need to have a break away from racing, and it's very good for them mentally. I think all of that is kind of a key to having them come down here. Yeah. Historically, people from colder climates would bring their horses down to Aiken, right? Yes. Can you tell us when all of that started? 
It actually started in the mid-30s. A lot of the rich northerners would come down here to escape the harsh winters, and they would bring their horses with them, whether they were polo horses or whether they were just pleasure horses going out in Hitchcock Woods. And then in the late 30s, a horse track, which is the harness racing track, which is a a buggy that's kind of behind a horse. They built a track here. A gentleman named Dunbar Bostwick did that. And he had friends all in up north, rather, that would come and bring their horses. Then they decided in the late 30s, 1941, to build a training track for racehorses. And so that's kind of where it got started. The track itself opened up in 1942, and one of the first horses to train there was a horse named Shutout, who won the 1942 Kentucky Derby. So I think that was pretty good. One of the first horses to come out of here won the Kentucky Derby. What a legacy. How have the people of Aiken kept this a part of their culture for so long? I think, like anything, you have to diversify a little bit in what you do because change is a constant. It's always going to happen. So it's not just the flat racing or the horse racing that we do. It's also there are people out here who do dressage, which I kind of call ballet on a horse, or do steeplechase or do all sorts of different kinds of horse events. As things have gone along, we've had to change things a little bit according to the climate So once somebody sees their horse come down here and succeed, whether it's in steeplechase or whether it's in flat racing or polo, they're going to tell their friends, hey, you need to come to Aiken. It's not as expensive to live here. They've got great facilities. The sand is good. The weather is good. And it just gets out by word of mouth to come down here. And we probably have 14 to 16 different horse disciplines here now, not just the flat racing and the polo. I've actually spent some time at the Thoroughbred Stables in Aiken before. It's the best way to get up close and personal with these majestic horses. Walking around the track early in the morning, listening to the sounds of earth and nature, then the muffled sound of hooves on grass, then sand. It sounds peaceful, but you might be surprised to hear what a Thoroughbred's daily routine is like. They've got a lot going on. Well, usually a thoroughbred's day begins probably around 4, 35 o'clock in the morning when the grooms all get there. They go ahead and feed them, and they actually will start putting the training saddles and all the other equipment on them, usually around 6 o'clock in the morning. And then they're let out of the barn. The exercise rider will get up on the horse, and then they walk the horse down to the Aiken training track. Depending on where the horse is in their training, they may just walk them out to the track, let them get the feel under their feet, and then take them right back to the barn if they've never been on something like that. If they are a little bit more further along in their training, they may run them or not really run fast, but kind of gallop them a little bit around the track just to get them used to being on there. A lot of these are babies who've never seen anything like that. So anything could scare them. So to train a thoroughbred, you have to be very slow in the training. It just doesn't happen overnight. If they're doing gate work, which is you'll see a gate if you watch a horse race on TV is what they all come out of at the beginning of the race. If you've got a horse who's never looked at that before, you may just let them go up and let them sniff it, and then that's all you do. Then 
once their training for the day is over with, they take them back to the barn and get all the equipment off of them, give them a nice bath, give them some water, turn them out in their paddock and let them just enjoy the day. And then later on at night, put them back in. They'll eat again. They eat three times a day. But it's kind of like watching paint dry. It takes a while. A lot of horses don't always take to the training of it. So that's another reason why you may go slow. No horse is going to go except what the horse wants to do. The trainer has to really pay attention to that as well as the groom and as well as the exercise rider to know just how hard to push or not to push. These trainers and handlers themselves, what can you tell us about them? They must go through a lot of training themselves, right? Oh, yeah. The trainers that are here now have have been out here for, gosh, 30, 40 years. Back then, you probably couldn't go to a school to learn how to be a trainer for a racehorse. You probably would have gotten a job as a groom or an exercise rider and then learned the business from a particular trainer. There are some schools around the country now that will teach you how to be a groom or an exercise rider or even a trainer. That wasn't the case way back. But I think a lot of it is just they learn from the people who have come before them. Tell us a little bit about jockeys. Not just anyone can be a jockey, right? Can you give us the difference between a trainer, groom, an exercise rider, like you mentioned earlier, and then a jockey? Do a lot of them share the same skills? Actually, they do. A jockey is a person who is riding the horse in a race. The exercise rider is a rider who is on the horse when they are in training, So that's two different things there. And sometimes the jockey and the exercise rider might be the same one. But with the grooms, the difference with them is they're tasked with the daily needs of the horse, the water, the brushing them, feeding them, walking them around. And that's kind of what they do. Now, with a jockey... You can't be really tall and be a thoroughbred racing jockey. Usually the average height is going to be about 5'2", five 5'3". Five average weight's going to be maybe anywhere from 104 to 108 pounds. Whew, I'm out. Yeah, me too. I was out a long time ago. <laughs> but for someone that small to have to be in control of an animal that weighs over 1,000 pounds— You have to be very, very strong, and you have to have an emotional, mental connection with that horse, or else if that horse doesn't want to do what that jockey wants them to do, it's not going to happen. So they have to be able to communicate with that horse and be on the same page when they're on the horse. Absolutely. And you mentioned size. I saw firsthand what the sheer size of these animals is. Can you... Tell our listeners, someone who might not understand the difference between a thoroughbred and just a normal horse, a normal riding horse. Yeah, just to put it in layman's terms, it's all about the breeding. The thoroughbreds come from three different horses that were brought to England from the Middle East. They were Arabian horses. And a regular horse... I don't want to say regular, like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Horses like painted horses or Appaloosas or Western horses or whatever, their bloodline doesn't trace back to those first three Arabian horses. It's in the breeding. Yeah, absolutely. This is always a question that I think people 
need answered when they visit a place like Aiken, when they hear thoroughbred country? How can visitors interact with thoroughbreds? Well, our training track, even though it's on private property, they do allow the public to come out and watch training. They encourage it. Now, you can't take a whole busload of people out there, but if you have four or five people and y'all are coming to Aiken for the day, you can call the Aiken Training Track office and they can give you directions on how to go out there. Just as long as you don't do anything that would scare the horses, like be on your cell phone or make loud noises and all, you're more than welcome just to come out early in the morning and watch the horses train. It's an amazing experience if you've never done it before. You were there, and just to hear the sound of the hooves on the track is something that is incredible to hear. You won't ever forget it whenever you hear it. It's great. So that's all they really need to do. They could even get on the Facebook page for the Aiken Training Track and make some inquiries in there as well. But they do welcome people to come out. Now, training can start anytime from 6 a.m., and most of them are usually finished anywhere from 10 to 11 a.m., So if you want to go, you need to go early if you want to see the most of them. What kind of experiences and signs of that equestrian culture are people going to see and experience when they come to Aiken, besides maybe what you've already mentioned? You might even be downtown Aiken having lunch out on one of the sidewalk cafes and see somebody riding a horse down the road. The horses have the right-of-way in Aiken. So if you're coming to visit, remember that. I don't think you can necessarily go to any city and see a horse in a carriage on the road and you better slow down for them or see somebody in a cowboy hat coming downtown Aiken on their horse. You never know what you're going to get. If a visitor wants more interaction than that, they'll have to head over to the Thoroughbred Museum and Hall of Fame. Lisa is a walking encyclopedia of equine knowledge, and she is passionate about curating the museum's experience so everyone can enjoy it. Yeah, we're a small museum, but we've worked very hard on trying to make exhibits uh, that we think will inform and entertain people. You can actually come in there and look at it and understand what they have to do to give these horses They're really athletes, um, what they're feeding them to make sure that they are performing their best. There's also a kid's room upstairs that they can go and play. We have a research room, which has books going back to 1942 that they can learn about the history of horse racing in general. We also have in our hayloft an exhibit on some Aiken horse trainers. Our biggest room is our Hall of Fame room. And we've had 40 national champions train here in Aiken, and we have an exhibit on each one of them in that Hall of Fame room. We also have a large collection of racing trophies and other memorabilia that I think people would enjoy. Some of the exhibits at the Thoroughbred Museum feature people from underrepresented groups like women and people of color. How important is it to tell those stories? With those folks, most of them were in the grooming and exercise riding area here as it pertains to Aiken. If they did not do their job, if they didn't do a good job, that horse would not have been successful. They're the foundation for that horse's career. And so they need to be recognized just like anybody else. Yeah. When people come to see the Thoroughbred Museum, what do you want them to learn? What important thoughts or ideas do you want them to take with them? 
I want them to understand that Aiken has had a amazing and important role in horse racing for almost 75 years. I want them to see how we appreciate the history, and I want them to take that appreciation with them. Maybe that will lead them on to getting involved in another museum, maybe as a volunteer or in our museum as a volunteer. I've told my docents, whoever comes in that door, you never know who's going to come in, and it could be a kid coming in with their parents, and that kid may be the one who grows up and replaces me at the museum. We want them to have a good, fun, meaningful experience, and that's what I want them to leave with. Talking to Lisa is such a joy, and from our conversation, you can really sense how thoroughbreds are woven into the culture in Aiken. But horses are not the only thing the town has to offer. It's also home to an emerging restaurant scene. 2020 was an interesting time for all of us. For Jason Tufts, it was the year he was selected as a chef ambassador for South Carolina. He's the general manager for the Village Cafe, a town favorite. And before that, he was the head chef at another Aiken institution, Malia's. Jason calls Aiken home. So we got together to talk about the ambassadorship and his hometown. It sounds like for Jason, food was always part of the picture. So I grew up watching the Galloping Gourmet and my favorite all-time show is Great Chefs of the World, where I learned about guys like Joel Robuchon. And there was something about the clean stainless and the French cooking tops and just the hustle, the bustle, the pure white coats. It just enthralled me at a young age. Oh, yeah. So if you weren't in the kitchen, you were in front of a cooking show. Pretty much. It's kind of ingrained at that point, right? Yes. How did it feel to be selected to be a chef ambassador for South Carolina? Yeah, I'm still on cloud nine from that. It was two years ago. One of the absolute proudest moments of my life. It really was. It was an honor. I was humbled and honestly flabbergasted because I know I don't measure up to half of the other chefs that came before me. So huge honor indeed. There's so many talented female chefs in the program. It's amazing. But yeah, it's just, it's really awesome to be able to reach out and lean on them just for the sake of we represent South Carolina. So there's that camaraderie, there's that bond that I don't have with any other chefs anywhere. So as a chef ambassador, my role is to entice people to come to my city to eat the food that has grown near me from farmers that I have become very good friends with. It's just been an amazing way to, I guess, promote, highlight, cheerlead for my state. Tell us about the Village Cafe. What should someone expect to see and experience when they come to visit you guys there? The main things that I'm hearing is how quaint, comfortable, clean, just a nice upbeat environment. It's a coffee shop, a cafe, but it's very comfortable. I've got a nice fireplace. It's actually lit right now. You can have a table by it. Love that. Yeah. We buy our coffee locally from Augusta. We make all of our own espressos, lattes, macchiatos with a hyper-local product. I know everyone in the community can come into the cafe and know that they're getting hyper-local food that we take pride in procuring and serving. So they know they're going to get high quality, but I have a mantra or my thought process behind getting these animals and vegetables were either harvested or they were harvested for the sole purpose of providing food. So why should I take these gifts and ruin them, burning them or overcooking them or not treating them 
properly and proper cooking methods, it's not paying homage to what they actually are. So I think everybody understands coming into us, they're going to get a quality product done properly. It's been treated with respect. We promise that we're not trying to get you in trouble, but what other restaurants in Aiken do you love? Where do you go to eat with your family? Really kind of wherever we want to. I've become really good friends with the owner of a restaurant called Fuse downtown. Chris Najmola, awesome chef, but I love his energy. I love his creativity. His food's amazing. There's another place called Whiskey Alley downtown. I've been there, yeah. Yeah, Chad and Katie are phenomenal chefs, and they're doing really awesome, out-of-the-box stuff at all times. And then, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't say Malia's. It's still an amazing, amazing restaurant. Matthew, the chef and owner, really has pioneered some amazing twists on new American cuisine. And it was an honor to work for him for four years and learn and grow and be a part of that as well. You mentioned the alley. Can you explain to listeners what that means as a local and as a visitor? Yeah, I guess not everybody understands that. The alley in Aiken has always been like an iconic little avenue right in between two main streets. There's always been a couple of restaurants and shops. There was a magic shop there that I used to love to go into when I was a kid and buy little silly magic tricks and try to fool my family with. But uh, now it's been developed largely in part to the gentleman that owns Whiskey Alley and the Alley Taproom, Norman Dunnigan, great guy. Him and other key business owners in that area have banded together. They've completely redone it. It's this beautiful little hot spot right in the heart of town. There's live music during the warmer months called Anthe Alley on Thursday nights. And then all the restaurants will be packed and people sitting outside and listening to music. And it's a fun little quaint place to go here and have a drink and go there and have some tapas and taco sushis right here. So let's get a little bit of sushi and then we'll pop down here to the brew pub and get a pint to wash it all down. It's, it's a really neat little vibrant area. What is something a visitor to Aiken cannot miss? Imagine you only have a day to show someone around. Where are you taking them? I will definitely take them down historic South Boundary. The canopy of oak trees that was featured in Southern Living. Yeah, you have to see that. I show them that. I like to drive them around downtown a little bit to showcase all of the dirt roads. I believe, and I'm not 100%, but I believe we have the most dirt roads or among the most dirt roads per mileage in a city limits anywhere in the nation because we are such a big horse community. I would take them by, I wouldn't take them necessarily in, but by Hitchcock Woods. It is the largest naturally forested acreage in a city limits in the nation. That's bigger than Central Park. Beautiful walking trails, riding trails. I would definitely take them through there. There's a loop, we call it Calmia Loop in May. All the Calmia is blooming. It is absolutely gorgeous. Just showered white all the way across your path. It's so, so stunning. I would take them obviously to the alley. We'd go grab a pint and kind of relax in the alley and they can kind of get a feeling for the vibe downtown and how energetic, but we have all these historic buildings, but this new 2020 vibe going on, it's really, really interesting. Last question. How do you want visitors to feel when they leave Aiken? That they want to turn their car around and immediately come back. <laughs> it's just that homey. It really will. It'll, it'll capture you. It's quaint. It's beautiful. It's clean. I personally would want everybody to say that guy comes from the coolest place ever. a lot from Lisa and Jason. Aiken is a place that has changed over the years, but it's still wrapped in that quaint feeling. There's plenty of proud and interesting history. There's also a lot of growth. 
but the town and its traditions keep pace with changing times while still keeping what makes it special, those sunrises, the mist above the grass, the scenic trails, and a charm all its own. Jason is right. It's a pretty cool place. That's it for this episode of the Palmetto Porch. Thank you to our guests, Lisa Hall and Jason Tufts. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend or leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us get the word out. And to find out more about Aiken or any of the towns featured on our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. The Palmetto Porch is produced by Discover South Carolina in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team at Pod People, Ashton Carter, Michael Aquino, and Kim Wong. Thanks so much for joining us, y'all. We'll see you next time on the Palmetto Porch.